um, if you want to spread the, the principle or the thinking behind uh, trusted oracles, then of course you have to say... Yeah, so let, let's set the scene a little bit on uh, for our discussion for today, right? So, um, so in, in the two tokens uh, energy track, uh, we are working with a value stack. Um, at the top, uh, we want to support new ecosystems, new business models. Uh, and we think that is built on exchanges. Um, and those exchanges are powered by tokens. Um, so, and that's the base work that we've done in 2021 to get our head around what the token should look like. Um, so in the tokens then are being built on, on blockchains, but um, uh, we all know that the, uh, there is a current well, problem in what, what the data represents. So there is a strong need of uh, getting a tight connection between the physical phenomena and the data, uh, hence the tokens that we create. Um, and currently there are some uh, uh, solutions that we are all familiar with that are more or less look like um, uh, to implement it. We call that smart meters. Um, but there are quite some drawbacks in using smart meters in the new energy use cases, and and in in this well the rest of the of the um, of this podcast we're going to zoom in and dive into yeah. what new solutions can look like and and new layers and how to decompose the complexity indeed and indeed. and do that yeah so should we introduce each other briefly oh yeah sure sure. Sorry, yeah, that was the first one we should do. <laughs> so you introduce yourself and then we'll okay. go around. Yeah, so Jos Rowling, I'm an executive architect at IBM in the Global Center of Competence for the Energy Sector. Okay, I'm, I'm Leon Vandenberg, I'm the founder, uh, CTO uh, for Sunified, and we're a group that is really focused on solar, and uh, starting with solar, um, putting crypto anchors on solar panels uh, at a per panel level and then rolling up that data into an architecture that can be used for machine learning and blockchain services. Hello, Sebastian Becker. Uh, I'm the Chief Commercial Officer at Riddle & Code, a Vienna-based uh, blockchain company, and we call ourselves the Blockchain Interface Company, meaning that we try to bridge the gap between the physical and the digital world. So exactly what Jos was referring to. Uh, and we're also active in not only the energy sector, but also in the fintech space, in mobility, supply chain, uh, and some other areas. Okay. Yeah. So it seems that we have uh, quite uh, two experts on the table here. Yeah. We're, we're, the companies are actually doing things. So this is more than PowerPoint. And I'm excited to report that, you know, we, we have our crypto anchors in production. So I'm, I'm very keen to, uh, you know, get into the, the weeds, so to speak, into the some of the detail. And having Sebastian here means that we can contrast and compare the the uh, approach that Riddle and Code has, and then uh, the, compared to what Sunified is doing, and and there's certain advantages in both models, and then uh, we have to work through what the differences are and what could be the advantages for the industry, and then things to look out for. Yeah. Okay. So so in uh, a little context, so crypto anchors, I think, was uh, one of the uh, uh, terms coined by my colleagues from IBM Research. Yeah. Uh, trying to get head around. So how can we create a very tight a connection between physical phenomena and then um, uh, in, in data structures that cannot be manipulated. So that is a, then a source of truth um, while powering new um, uh, economic models, transactions, uh, yeah. blockchain data. Um, so and, and, um, they did a very broad kind of um, uh, research with all kinds of different applications in very different domains. Uh, but here we are going to zooming in into an application that is specifically built for energies and utilities. And I think Riddle & Code origin was more on the finance side, fintech side. So it's very interesting to see 
uh, what the sim- similarities are. Um, yeah. So in and what the yeah. uh, the commonalities will be. And and the audience should reach out um, to either one of us to get a copy of the um, Crypto Anchor report if you want to want to read it. It is a very general. Um, concept about crypto anchors, how they can work across a number of industries. But what we're focused on is taking some of the aspects from that, that IEEE white paper or research paper and then saying, okay, how can we build an embodiment that will work for solar? Solar is quite an aggressive uh, environment and, um, you know, the solar panels have to work op- operationally to 105 degrees Celsius. So this is not uh, a bit of home electronics. We, we need to make sure that we, we build a system that's uh, in got that industrial uh, scope. And I think Riddle and Code are also making these types of um, uh, mechanisms for tracking uh, infrastructure and, and assets uh, in, in other in the industrial uh, applications as well. So Can you explain that a little bit, uh, Sebastian, what you're, what you're doing with Riddle and Code? Yes, so it's it's right, and and you mentioned it that we're also active in in the financial sector where we build custody solution and let's say industrial backends to uh, trade this or manage digital assets. But um, the origins of the companies are basically in in the IoT sector. Um, so uh, our founder, Professor uh, Tom Firstner, he he was worrying early on, and he's you know part of the Bitcoin and blockchain movement since since day one. Um, how could we bring that not only fascinating but highly secure system um, that blockchain um, brings or is, uh, and where we can protect data in a cryptographically um, secured way. How can we link it to industrial processes where we have, you know, physical objects in the field? Um, And as most of you might know, we have this uh, thing called Oracle problem in our industry. So once the data is inside of the, the blockchain, we can be sure that it cannot be tampered with. But, you know, what's the quality of the data um, that we enter into the blockchain? And I think we, we, we all saw it uh, <laughs> during the American presidential election, how difficult it is to agree on a, on a simple uh, thing, such as a, the results of general elections. Uh, and, and that's, of course, true um, for you know data in general and for industrial data as well. We, we all are aware of the diesel scandal in the car industry. We know that also traditional energy meters um, um, were tampered with um, by, you know, private people, but also in, a, in an organized uh, way. So for all these systems that are going to be highly automated, we need trust. Otherwise, the CFO will not accept that, you know, automatic calculations affect his bottom line if he cannot trust um, the, the, the data sets themselves. And in, in areas like, you know, self-driving vehicles, this, of course, poses also safety um, concerns. So our question was, how must we design a chipset or a crypto chip module that can be either embedded into machines or attached to machines and physical objects? And how can we do that design in a way that it's in the end tamper-proof? And what helps us, uh, because of course, hardware can always be manipulated if you have a nice university lab uh, and enough time and enough budget to buy nice microscopes and, and other devices, then at some point of time, you will be able to, to follow the flow of the electrons. But um, if we have a cyber-physical system consisting of a physical object with a crypto chip and the digital twin, uh, and we create a connection between the two, we can design processes and the overall system in a way 
that it's almost impossible to to interfere with it. And if you manage to interfere with it, then you might be able to um, destroy or affect one device, but not a network. And and those are the design principles, yeah, we security agree. design principles yeah. that we that guide our work. Yeah, same same kind of principles that we've um, I guess discovered in our in our journey as well. I guess in in Australia we know that there's um, actors that are right now in a centralized uh, energy trading market where they front run data that is their proprietary data and they know what's going to happen when they bid into the market because they can service the market and and we we think that there there's um, certain uh, amount of advantage that the incumbents have really exploited by by having this kind of front running uh, capability and what we want to do is try and bring an oracle service so that um, no one can really have this front running opportunity that that the oracle presents the data as well as the generational data from these assets eventually the generational data will will move into storage data or or orchestration of that energy as well so that we can set up a network of data sets so that energy can be maintained not from a central uh, location but also in a fragile world um, and in a distributed world that things can happen in a more distributed and transactive uh, approach um, where loads can balance and schedule their their activities maybe with flexible generation as well and we need trust and we need this distributed database and this oracle problem is really what we uh, saw as the first challenge because with any blockchain, garbage in is garbage out. So if we can't get that trust, then then we we're just building a Rube Goldberg machine, you know, just more complexity for no good reason. Yeah, and in the end, you know, um, we are going to to build not only complex architectures, but most of the bigger industrial projects will have a a consortial component. Uh, and they will have to work with different legacy and also uh, greenfield systems. So the, the big advantage, and I think also the difference of blockchain technology, is that it's or it can help in in different dimensions. So we 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 mentioned the security aspect. There's the automation aspect. There's of course a, a governance and transparency aspect to it. Yeah. Um, so many. Um, interesting layers of um, thought uh, and um, the, the, the interesting task is to combine them in a way um, and if we look at the energy markets of course they're becoming more and more decentralized we are moving from an oligopoly of a few producers um, that serve a one-way street to the end consumers to prosumer landscapes with millions of energy producing um, assets and uh, millions and millions of energy consuming assets that are also connected uh, as IoT devices. So the management complexity is rising. We need to um, manage what we call roaming uh, from the mobile um, phone industry. Uh, so, you know, handovers and handshakes between different types of uh, actors in the market and all that complexity seems to be waiting for, you know, uh, a solid end-to-end -end, uh, defined in detail blockchain backend structure. So, so Yoss has really presented this uh, tokenization value stack, but today our topic is really to dive into that that lower uh, portion of that stack and into crypto anchors and to compare and contrast what what we're really doing at a at a per panel or sensor level compared to what 
um, Sebastian and Rillen Code have done with with their proxy and gateway solution because I think that this really shows the difference uh, of technical approaches and the certain advantages in, in doing that. So. But we should be fair, you know, it's not a necessarily a difference between our thinking or the approaches Sunnified and Ritalin Code are taking because we're also discussing how to collaborate. Exactly. But it, it, it exemplifies the different options that you have in a, in a general um, way of thinking. You can either embed into devices uh, or into assets, or you can create extra devices that are then linked. We lost them. We lost them. <laughs> So it, it switched to one of your Bluetooth things or something? So where should we restart? I'll just just comparing and contrasting the, the two different approaches. And I think I think I'm agreeable with your intent there that it's not just about either or. It's a it's a Yeah, I think it's important to to mention that there's no not necessarily a direct um, contrast or our two uh, approaches are not contradictory since Sunnified and Riddle and Code are also talking about um, how to collaborate, but it exemplifies what can be done if we look at industrial projects. So either you embed uh, an Oracle into uh, a device or into an asset, or you create an extra uh, box or device that is then connected to um, the machine vehicle or asset um, that you want to yeah. um, uh, connect. Uh, and it's, it has more to do with the regulatory and the environmental and physical circumstances of a project, whether you opt for one option or the other, but both so, are possible. So I have a question on that. So uh, Sebastian, so you were mentioning that um, uh, tempering is uh, is, a, is an, an issue that we need to solve, and we try to solve with with this new solution stack. Um, it, uh, I know that the uh, meteorological institutes in each country are are working on temper-proof smart metering uh, as long as metering is is exists, right? From the scales at the at the butcher, yeah, to uh, to the smart meters that we find in our homes, and still there are some some breaks and some ways to to temper so what's what's your relationship with the uh, meteorological institute in in um in Austria? and is that is your solution already being certified or what's your take on that um well since since i'm german in an austrian company uh, I'm, I'm not the expert on on the austrian regulatory situation but let me give the example of the german market and we just did a project with dena the german energy agency and we created a blockchain register for um, energy uh, producing assets including smart meters and the situation in germany and i think you have um, a similar let's say phase uh, in every market is that the the latest generation of smart meter gateways in germany has just been uh, released or, or approved by the by the organization that is handling it, the BSE in Germany, um, two three years ago. So the new standard came out, and then it took a while, um, year and a half, until uh, three manufacturers uh, were fully compliant uh, with that spec. Uh, and now that generation is in the market, and it's it's going to stay in the market with that spec maybe for, I don't know, five, six years. Uh, so while we wait for the next generation of devices where blockchain or ideal blockchain components can be embedded, now we have to live with a device generation um, where we somehow need to connect to. Uh, and uh, in every market, you have to ask yourself the question, where are we? Are we just at the beginning of a regulated and, and specified device generation cycle, or are we towards the middle or, or the end? 
and then you immediately have an answer for your short to midterm options. Do I have to uh, build a, a standalone, a separate device or a connector? Uh, and can I um, produce it in a way that it's compatible uh, with the legacy devices or do I plan for the next generation? So that's yeah. defining your, your approach. Yeah, so, so that, that's a very good, uh, I think, reflection on what's going on. And, and uh, Germany is well engineered in smart meter gateways for metering and submetering. Um, you see that in, in other ge geographies and other countries in Europe, there is some more uh, relaxed uh, regimes for submetering. And, and that opens up an opportunity, I think, for more IoT-based censoring rather than having a full-fledged um, smart meter with all the, uh, the, um, the mandatory processes and uh, uh, um, regulation that are associated with it. Yeah, so Austria is for sure more relaxed, but as I said, I'm, I'm not the experts about the details, but that's the reason why we built our own, uh, we call it trusted gateway in the context of, uh, of our Austrian projects. And since we're live in the mass market since, since June, it is for sure uh, compliant with the local regulation. So, so smart meters, as I see it, the, even their current design is still um, architected for central centralized authorities and centralized decision making. They're, they're not really providing a, an edge type of logic that uh, other than maybe some home automation or home monitoring, but, but not so much for control or flow of energy. And uh, th this is, I guess, the opportunity that we can do by having more of a blockchain approach with uh, a gateway and and some edge logic that that can be uh, uh, there for dispatch and and for also uh, islanding if there's a climate event that a community can basically uh, detach from the main grid and still have enough energy with their local storage and local solar panels let's say for for minimum uh, services for for that community they don't need to be um, sh shut off so the, there's a there's a range of ways why this architecture is migrating. Some people are IoT centric and they they see that this is the holy grail that will will bring this orchestration and, and safety through. But we, of course, with any IoT uh, system, it's uh, it's only as strong as its weakest link. And uh, a lot of these IoT devices do not have the robust architectures like. Uh, the treatment of, of our IoT appliances is more like an FPOS or smart card terminal than it is a, uh, a home gateway. So we, we really treat um, uh, the custody of these electrons when they're captured and measured from a solar panel like a financial transaction from, from where the physics is actually happening on the solar panel itself. So that kind of discipline has to follow through the whole value chain. And uh, if you do not have that kind of robust uh, follow through, then you're only as strong as your weakest link that can either be attacked or uh, from a cybersecurity point of view or or data can be tampered or or out of sync with what is happening in the physical reality. So th this is why I guess we've tried a bottom-up approach going from the where the physics and the origination of the energy happens and then we're, we're really tracking this data, um, making sure that things are tamper-proof and even tamper-evident. If there is a tamper event, you know, there's, there's ways to... Um, to excise that that data point or at least flag it as, as suspect and then then provide a mechanism where um, we have a distributed route of trust in, in a way each solar panel that's in the neighborhood of another solar panel is a watchdog on the performance of, of its neighbor and and this kind of logic mean means that no one can inject brown energy into our our type of sensor network without it showing up uh, it will immediately yeah. show up so 
if we look at, you know, in the end, um, we should talk both about the functions of these uh, crypto anchors, because yep. of course they are there to fulfill a function, be it a trusted Oracle or something else on top. Uh, but also if we look at the physics of the, um, of the crypto components there, it's important that we follow some security by design principles. And I think that's also true for both approaches, you know, hardened uh, really communication or channels on um, the chipset itself. Um, there are various design principles that you have to follow because for a hardware hacks, there are more than uh, six, seven dozen uh, known attack vectors. Huh? So it, it's not enough to buy a security chip off the shelf, at least not if you want to secure critical infrastructure and if you want to move billions uh, in value based on, on the original data that are triggering than automated or smart contracts, as we say in our industry. Um, so it's important to be familiar both with the details of the physical architecture or the physical components that you are going to use. And then you are answering the question, where do we place it directly uh, embedded into a machine or um, do we need an extra device with then, of course, also secured um, communication channel or interfaces between uh, between all the components. And then the, the most important thing is then, of course, uh, do we over time fulfill the functions that we have foreseen for our crypto anchors or devices? So, so from the uh, the crypto anchor white paper or, or research paper from IBM, they, they really fleshed out about two or three categories that that were a potential for us to use, um, you know, for for our kind of embodiment uh, of what will go on a solar panel. So the the first approach was a kind of a RFID chip, and that that seemed to be. Uh, a minimum kind of hook. Uh, it was not ro robust enough, and we could not provide any extra services past that kind of uh, dumb RFID authentication. Uh, the the next kind of uh, area was to create a kind of cri cryptographic uh, function using uh, SRAM in a in a microprocessor. And uh, again, this uh, provided the very strong authentication. And there's vendors in the industry that that provided this kind of mechanism, but uh, the flexibility to um, to ju just use that kind of authentication-only type of feature meant that we we thought, okay, we, we need to think a little bit bigger, and this is why we've we've made uh, basically a small embedded compute platform with both the um, a, a crypto type of uh, a secure element and, and a secure processor, very much like uh, what would go in, a, in an FPOS or, or a payment terminal. But as part of that whole sensor architecture, this means that we can expand the security paradigm past uh, just authentication and, and move it into more protocol streaming and trust models that, that involve uh, watchdog timers, uh, threat uh, monitoring, and uh, making sure that any of these attack vectors are dealt with proactively. Um, so th this was the, the decision for our, our kind of embedded stack. And uh, we call this uh, stack a, a Unity uh, chip. And uh, right now it's a, it's a two-chip design. And the vision is to make this, this chipset eventually a single-chip design. Um, and from, from the kind of where it's positioned on the solar panel, it's positioned in a junction box as close as possible to where the terminals uh, converge. But there is also a way to retrofit um, this Unity chip uh, to any type of solar panel as well um, with, with a kind of retrofit appliance that, that we've crafted as well. So th this, this allows us to um, capture the, the raw data, um, both voltage and, and current. And then we also have secondary data, temperature, and even vibration from the solar panel, an angle of incidence if the panel's on a tracking system. So 
we found that uh, the industry needed more than just uh, voltage and current. We, we see that the secondary data supports the performance of the panel, and that secondary data would inform a machine learning model for maintenance and for also uh, dispatch forecasting. So that this uh, this went into more of the requirements brief. It's not just uh, an authentication piece that we're doing with the Uni Unity sensor. It's really a broad data acquisition device. And no one in the industry has ever had this kind of rich big data from a solar panel on a 30-second on a type of period, uh, uh, type of resolution before. And this kind of uh, commercial opportunity then needs to make sure that we can hit price points and uh, unit economics, that makes sense. Uh, and Moore's Law has been very good to us to, to make that happen. And Swanson's Law, which is basically Moore's Law for, for solar panels, mean that we can do this on a 750-watt solar panel now, not a 200-watt solar panel. So the, the kind of cost per watt has really dropped significantly over the years. And when we first looked at this, it was like people looked at, at the finance and said, well, this isn't going to work. It's not going to pencil out. And But it's really turned out to be um, a, an advantage to think this way. So and, and have you discussed also the um, uh, all the implications of your temperature sensor? Because if, if, I, if I envision the large solar farms with, with uh, 10,000 panels, yep. right? So in temperature is a huge uh, factor of the of the solar performance. Yep. Um, but it also means that... Um, uh, any any um, vegetation yeah. uh, growing under the solar farms can influence the, the uh, under the panel uh, wind flows and yeah. thereby temperature, right? So yeah, so we we think that um, because each solar solar farm has a hyper local weather station, and so we'll we'll have a forecast kind of of, of the cloud front that might be might be going through, but also. Um, the, the wind conditions, and you'll see a thermal gradient on different parts of the farm depending on which way the wind is, is um, uh, uh, blowing, and then also the types of things that will happen, um, different angle uh, of incidence of the panels might trap heat between the panel and in, in the ground at certain parts of the day. So we, we think that that would inform even the positioning of the solar panel. Maybe we would relax um, some of the positions of the solar panels to let the heat escape if, if it is, in fact, uh, you know, trapping it uh, that way. So no one's had this kind of thermal gradient, this kind of um, mechanism to do such fine-grain monitoring and then um, invent different ways to balance a solar farm for its optimization. And this isn't financial transactions. It's more around the proactive maintenance and uh, monitoring and ultimate optimization. So... Um, without that data, we, we couldn't inform that model. So uh, our Unity sensor is not just about the finance and, uh, and data ac acquisition. It's, it's about getting, getting the secondary data as well to inform a machine learning model. So this, this is why we, we have a kind of fat edge sensor. It's a little bit thicker client uh, or sensor domain than just uh, an RFID chip. Um, we, we could have tried to do something with an RFID chip and a gateway, and then we would have done a minimum kind of uh, solution, would have learned a lot, but um, uh, for, for uh, what, what we get out of these chips now, it, it's quite an advantage to think that a crypto anchor can do this, you know, kind of plus-plus, and uh, that's really the, the point of difference, that we've really attacked this industry sector with, with that type of rigor, um, but, but we can't just translate that to another industry uh, sector in the renewables area without sort of redesigning it. So um, what uh, uh, Sebastian and Riddle and & Code have done is created a, a, a gateway. Their gateway really does this via proxy and takes that, that information and aggregates that, that information 
rather than doing it at, at the edge, um, they're really providing financial transactions and, and security based on uh, a, a different type of model. So, so, so Sebastian, can you give a little bit of explanation on your, your solution of Riddle and Code in the energy industry, how that, how that then looks like and works? Yes, um, I can only underline what uh, Leon has been saying about the importance, A, of, let's say, full secure elements um, as, let's say, the foundational piece of, of uh, any hardware uh, Oracle solution. Um, and it's all also important to stress that, you know, tracking and tracing of data and making available um, num lots of data uh, is beneficial for basically all use cases. So um, you're certainly going in the right direction and coming back to our solution. So in, in different industries, we, we work with a number of secure elements. So we've tested around a dozen or have around a dozen of them in, in action. And of course, uh, some um, chipsets that are um, at the core of these secure elements, they are very uh, industry specific. So if you want to build a secure element for the automotive industry, you automatically work with a number of different chipset providers than if you if you are in the energy sector. So um, we design or no, we research and then we select um, the best uh, suited uh, chipset generation, depending a on the time of selection and, and then of course on, on the sector. Um, and then we basically finalize the, the chipset module. And, and to us, it's important that we do that design of the module ourselves because we can apply all the sensors we want. We can apply all the radios we want so that the process design, which is basically the most important thing, the, the overall solution process design for your specific solution, um, is providing the best fit to the requirements. Uh, and then, of course, once you have that secure element, um, to us, it doesn't really make a big difference if you integrate it with a machine because we work with standard hardware interfaces uh, such as I2C, uh, etc. So it's not really an engineering uh, challenge to, to plug it into, um, let's say, a normal machine. If you have very special environmental circumstances, uh, such as Leon pointed out, then, of course, you have to um, make a deeper analysis. Uh, or if you just put it in an extra casing. Uh, and maybe one of the additional layers that we are adding is because we are also building um, products for the banking sector. Um, our secure elements or chipset modules have full wallet capabilities. Um, and, and we have a, a blockchain registry uh, process in place, of course, for all those devices in a blockchain infrastructure that we, uh, let's say, control or co-manage. Um, so in the end, uh, the summary could be we provide more than just a hardware component to provide that trusted Oracle, um, but we, we bring design options um, that allow our customers and partners to design their critical infrastructure and their processes in a way that they can benefit both from the identity um, generating uh, component of the hardware, but also um, from the automation potential, from the value transfer or banking grade secure value transfer potential and for the token, from the tokenization potential. So in Austria, uh, to cut a long story short, uh, what have we done with Wien Energy? And of course, we started a bit, uh, a bit earlier than Leon with this project. So we started the first project four years ago. We went through a state-funded um, 
projects uh, for local energy communities. And now we we built and, and launched what we call the Citizen Power Plan. So we tokenized Austria's largest uh, PV park um, uh, in the greater Vienna area. So we um, attached basically our um, trusted gateway um, to um, the array of uh, PV installations there and based on the identity that the gateway gives to the physical assets uh, people could invest so existing green energy uh, customers could become uh, shareholders or beneficiaries of that um, um, power plant solar power plant and the park and depending on on the shares they were acquiring they're also getting now kilowatt hour tokens uh, reflecting the output uh, of the panels so we have an asset token if you want and a utility token so it's also a two token design that's why we are also collaborating or participating in the two tokens initiative yeah, because we think we, we think all make in, sense <laughs> in, in, yeah. in, the, in the current environment it, it makes sense of course there are some legal reasons to do it like that um but uh, in 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 reality and we all know it from the bitcoin mining even though that's often in the press for negative reasons there is now an equivalent uh, between let's say uh, the amount of energy that you consume or produce uh, and an economical value uh, and we we try to leverage that because i think that's the way forward for industrial tokenization leveraging economic uh, value layers that have not been leveraged before financially and for that, we need trusted oracles. Yeah, yeah, and, and those trusted oracles with a fine granularity then the current smart metering can provide, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because yeah. In, usually it's a half an hour or 15 minutes. Some markets are going to five-minute intervals. Uh, and here we are looking to more granular data. But I have, have a question um, uh, regarding the uh, analog digital converters, right? So our discussion so far is on uh, secure elements, secure chips, secure protocols, but... There is a layer underneath there yeah. to um, um, to capture the physical phenomena and to make it digital. Is is there some uh, elements uh, that you that you apply there, or is it uh, basic building blocks that you apply? Uh, I I can say that we've we've hired ex engineers from GE that have made billing grade uh, sensor um, designs, and so they've proven their their capability with with prior uh, embodiments of, of making a distributed sensor network. This one was for greenhouses. Our our VP technology has now taken that that skill set about making a, um, a remote sensor within a one percent kind of you know billing grade um, uh, confidence interval or confidence on on that. So. Um, we're trying to bring billing grade uh, um, capabilities uh, and using the analog to digital converters along with error correction and calibration um, because the, what, what really happens is that, again, because of temperature, we need to make sure that our calibration doesn't drift. And so every day there, there's basically a mechanism for calibrating the, the sensor and uh, there's, there's also a way to... to um, um, kind of have an alert if there has been some drift or some anomaly that that's happened. And again, that's one of the other reasons why we, we're, we're providing this kind of watchdog on other sensors or on the panel, because if there's something that's happened, then we are going to be creating garbage in, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> in, in, into this database uh, called a blockchain. So um, w without this kind of um, safety loop and um, let's call it the hardware engineering element, then uh, and, and that kind of qualification then we've just, you know, shot our foot off. Um, we, we, you know, we're creating all this spurious data, and if it's not calibrated properly, it, it, it's it's going to be just thrown out. So, and then I have a question then for, for Sebastian. So how is the measurement being done then in your Vienna uh, implementation? 
Well, let me go uh, one step back because uh, I think what Leon said is is terribly important. Uh, so either you have internal resources that are knowledgeable enough, or you tap into um, third parties to to help you to find the best solution for a specific. Exactly challenge and, and, and problem. But if you deconstruct the processes here, and we are more a, a, an infrastructure provider, um, if you want to spread the, the principle or the thinking behind uh, trusted oracles, then of course, you have to say, there are sensors, there are, there are many sensors in, in most industrial um, environments. So you need to provide a way how the infrastructure uh, and also the audit layer that you have behind it uh, can also allow third-party calibration experts to come in. Uh, so that's one of the learnings that we have, for example, from the Swiss banking market where we we launched our first, let's say, products as a company like three years ago. Uh, it's not enough to create a PDF for every uh, transaction that is happening in such a marketplace for digital assets. That's, that's a requirement. But we also are tracking who, so which manager has done it based on which policy rule or smart contract. So that means if you capture all, all, all these audit trails, then of course you can work with a, a certification company or a TÜV type uh, company uh, and, and monitor what they are doing. So you will not always have to uh, find the, the, the solution for yourselves uh, if you're a um, let's say a, a pure player um, like Leon and his team are now for, for PV, um, then of course it's it makes a lot of sense to have the engineering guys inside uh, or close to the team. Uh, if you just provide, let's say, the, the backend, backend part of it, uh, then it could be the colleagues from IBM or uh, engineers of our customers that find the perfect solution. But you have to provide a process infrastructure that makes sure that all the problematic areas are fully covered. Yeah, so um, th this is a systems design approach and you need feedback in order to make sure you're confident about the calibration within a tolerance. And then if something goes off the rails, either there's a sensor drift or maybe a component failure, we need to be able to say, okay, this particular um, solar panel either uh, or its sensor, our Unity chip has now you know invalidated itself. So we need to then uh, say, let's prune that data um, out of the, the data set. So we need to be able to set flags and proactively manage that that event uh, and then uh, a corrective action like a corrective action report and then uh, a field like you know roll someone a technician in the field to replace the sensor and then there's a whole trust model for what is what happens when you replace a sensor because we basically have to decommission that sensor um, re basically remove its keys from the key repository and then re-enable another one so this is uh, very much like activating your smart card when you have a bank account, right? It means that you need to have that second, uh, second or even third uh, challenge authority and uh, make sure that, that um, the device is put back into the fleet of devices and, and that trust model and continuity of that model is maintained. Um, so uh, our problem domain is a little bit broader because we've gone straight to the edge and we're not, if we just wanted to play at the gateway level, it, it is a simpler problem to kind of solve. But we think the the result of doing this is that we're, we're not just bringing sensor data and um, and uh, the, this kind of um, big big data so measurement of, of this and we're actually bringing property rights um, the actual a assets property rights and the rights to its offtakes the energy the carbon credits and the data and uh, these property rights can be unbundled from the current 
uh, solar finance value chain and then rebundled in different ways. So if you look at what we're doing, it's kind of a fintech play on solar. And uh, fintech doesn't doesn't need to um, use these traditional uh, marketplace paradigms in order to uh, to deliver carbon credits. So um, if you look at, at, uh, at what we're doing with the carbon credits and then streaming those carbon credits to uh, to deliver, let's say, an um, uh, an accounting uh, offset for an ESG customer, cu- uh, a client, there, there's a harmonization approach to say, let's make this standard then work across multiple uh, nations and multiple domains. And there's a there's a, uh, a service called Energy Tag, which is doing this now, where carbon credits can be not just uh, accounted for, but they can be streamed in even these five-minute periods and, and uh, provide this immediate offset for, for a green power purchase uh, customer. So we, we see by, by decoupling the, the data streams and the, in the information, uh, we, we're able to deliver a type of uh, financial service and uh, ESG service, a kind of ESG as a service um, that, that, that is directly composable uh, from an API call to a solar farm. So this has never been done before. Most of the time, uh, if you want to uh, transact with a carbon credit that's a regulated credit, you have to wait for the fine or the re- the regulatory authority to you know mint and and adjudicate that that carbon credit was was manufactured at that solar farm most of the time it's linked to a smart uh, smart meter report and then they say okay that that carbon credit was was uh, was minted um, it takes up to 30 days in Australia for that minting process to happen um, from a solar farm and what we by going direct to the solar panel we see that that Periosity can can now be reduced to a five minute period, and we can we can go direct digital, um, you know, with those carbon credits and immediately stream those those benefits of those carbon credits to a customer. As the energy flows, so will the carbon credits, and uh, that that's really the advantage in in going right to the edge. Um, and uh, it's it's taking a while for us to discover and unpick, you know, where where this is decomposed, what's advent, what the advantage is, and then how does this articulate to a to a business solution? Um, but but the uh, what what um, Riddle and Code have done with Win Energy means that they were able to enter the market. Um, they've done their research early on, and and definitely, you know, uh, Sebastian and his team are interested in what we're doing with our sensors to back up what what they're doing with their gateway. It, it's a complementary service. Yeah. So and all, and also what you explained with the um, granular uh, green signals and and uh, emissions uh, and and. Um, is uh, complementary to the traditional kind of uh, certificate schemes. Yeah, we yeah. Can, it's not a rip and replace. We can just add it on. Yeah, we can add it on. And and the more advanced customers want to have that ESG hardness. They want to make sure that they're not um, uh, kind of brownwashing or greenwashing their their sig- their signal. They want to be able to have direct uh, line of transparency. Uh, ver- uh, measurement verification and, and uh, that, that validation. So, so th- this is the advantage in going direct to the edge is that we, we can provide that, that transparency and even we can't hack our system. Once it's commissioned, it, it's not just trusted. It, it's, it's that word that in the blockchain industry called trustlessness. And it's very hard to describe that, that word you know, for, for a general consumer or even an industrial customer. What is trustlessness? But, but it means that we can't hack our system. Once that system is commissioned, physics and math take over and, and the system accumulates that data. As long as things remain calibrated and our engineers do what it should do, 
then then the system creates an oracle that that is as perfect as it can be and that and that means that no one should have a, a competitive advantage to front run a market uh, we provide that oracle service and and uh, that that means that uh, the market is more fair and and that it should should work on those uh, you know economic principles in 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 a fair and reasonable way so that that's really the goal of, of providing this transparency yeah. So so and then uh, uh, Sebastian, I'm I'm a little bit uh, interested in in uh, you say that you tokenize the kilowatt hours in Vienna. So is is that uh, tokenization done on um, uh, the actual output of the of the whole solar farm, or is that done on an energy uh, solar generation, or is that including the batteries? So can you explain a little bit how that's being constructed, and if it's um, and how it's additional and, and complementary to the current system? Well, how, how is it done? Um, we really um, measure the output uh, of um, the solar uh, panels. Uh, and of course, there's, let's say, the real measurement. And, and then if you have a solar park that uh, is already in operation and the park we are talking about in Austria has been in operation for a couple of years, so it's not a greenfield park. Uh, it has been, let's say, upgraded if you want. Then, of course, you already know uh, things like average output. So you can calculate uh, a model uh, already based on, on on the legacy data that you have. Uh, but then it's again, as I said, about notarizing, um, and that's what the hardware oracles are there for, notarizing the, the, the measurements, uh, and then according to the shareholder structure, um, generate the, the output of kilowatt hour tokens. The Wien Energy customers, they get it into their mobile app, so they have a software wallet that is backed by our financial infrastructure and the underlying key and wallet management platform. Uh, and then they can redeem it uh, for various services with other public service providers that are part of the um, um, the, the state-owned uh, or community-owned groups in, in Vienna. And this is going to be rolled out in, in other Austrian regions um, now in 2022 and 2023. Um, yeah, and that's how it's... Um, unfolds so we want to not only create a mechanism to win let's say new prosumer customers for energy companies that are risking to lose um, customers in in the current state uh, but also we want to um, generate a mechanism like leon was describing the decoupling is very important of different parts of, of these data sets um, to not only manage uh, infrastructure better uh, but also to have a means to drive um, energy consumption and production in a direction that is uh, wanted by, by society because tokens are, of course, acceleration tools. And if they are based on trusted hardware oracles, um, then you can really drive things forward. And, and that's important. We have it almost in every European um, um, project or tender that where we are participating Everybody asks now, how can you help us to achieve, you know, carbon neutrality by 2030, 2040, 2050, depending on the sector and the project. Um, and if you have a, if you want trustless uh, or a token system that is uh, built on trustlessness uh, in the underlying backend infrastructure, then you have a very powerful tool. And so, that's so, what we want to leverage. So, and how, how granular is, is the data that you provide to the clients? Because if, um, if you're only giving the tokens the day after, uh, then you're missing the real-time capabilities that Leon was talking about, 
No, there, there is no difference. You know, um, the if it's a 15 minutes or five minutes interval, that's more depending on a, uh, you know, what is regulation uh, demanding or expecting. Uh, but physically, you know, as I said, it's only a, um, a strategic choice whether you have a secure element directly within an, an asset or at a gateway. But there is no delay or no limits uh, to to the breakdowns that we can deliver. So, so you've actually tokenized the asset and you've tokenized the kilowatt offtake. Um, what um, that that means that the kilowatt offtake becomes a yield to those token participants, and in, in a way, and it's, it's paid in euro dollars. It, uh, how is that paid out? In, in, uh, in they are getting a, a utility token, and utility token. Uh, the the idea here is. Um, you know, as long as the Mika regulatory re regime is still in discussion and <clears throat> not yet law in Europe, right. um, the the first principle also for the legal and financial departments is to stay away from monetary regulation. So that's why you cannot directly redeem um, or exchange the utility token into euros. You can reduce your invoice. You can get other services, but it's a bit like uh, you know uh, airline miles, bonus yeah, miles, yeah. Where, where you have a limited set of participating companies and services, and you're if you want in in a walled garden ecosystem. Yeah, so this allows the regulators to to set up a wall garden and capture that value, uh, let's say, economy, and and make sure it's it's quarantined in a way that that doesn't disrupt their their own. Uh, yes, their but the, inter thinking. the interesting thing here, and then I think that's what uh, what is the the bottom line. Um, of course, if you make such a thing um, in the end tradable on exchanges or through other means, um, then the question is, are you more heading towards a stable coin or are you more entering uh, the speculative realm that we, we do not necessarily want to see in, in our yeah. um, industrial context? Uh, but the good thing is, because it's coupled um, to the electricity output, um, basically you create something like a stable coin because it's a you can you can have your as I said your your forecasts about the output that is to be expected, or you have legacy data. So basically, you know what you're dealing. And then there are both, let's say, direct uh, models. So you can guarantee something uh, to your customers or participants based on those models. But then there might only be uh, that there might also be indirect uh, effects. Um, we talked about the notarization of energy in a local context, and a lot of the upcoming European laws are, um, you know, I shouldn't say subsidizing. Uh, I, I'm not saying this, uh, you know, with with legal terms uh, in in the back of my my thinking. But certainly the EU and other uh, regions are pushing the local consumption of energy. And then, of course, you have uh, effects based on the network uh, structure of, of that local industry that can also create a delta for token models Yeah, yeah. or, or set, set a delta free. Well, let's put it that way. Yeah, so I have a follow-up question on, on, your, on, on the tokens. And those, those tokens are then being... Um, handed out by the generation plan, plant in, in, in Vienna to the customers in their wallet. So what about the uh, taxation? Because energy is uh, tax um, uh, uh, regulated. Is that also considered or how, how, how did you deal with that? Well, you know, Wien Energy is Austria's largest uh, utility provider. Uh, it's a uh, it's a publicly owned company, so you can be assured that uh, lots of lawyers have have looked at this. Uh, but you know, we need to, we would need to make a, a legal panel uh, if we would 
want to discuss okay. all the details, so I'm I'm not a lawyer. Okay. So let let let's for another spread, day. Uh, things that are might not be fully accurate. It's it's certainly a delicate uh, thing, and you need to really pay attention to this. Um, but yeah. in our case, it's certainly thoroughly checked. So, and when we're also registered, I should say, with the Austrian uh, financial authorities, uh, Ritland Code as a, a custody provider and a yeah. utility token issuer. Uh, so also from that point of view, it's certainly clear. But going forward, uh, industrial companies will need to ask themselves, especially if at some point of time the tokens are considered maybe security tokens, um, do I need to acquire not only banking-grade technology, but only ba also banking licenses or e-money licenses? Yeah. Or do for every um, project, do I need to team up with uh, a bank that holds or an exchange that holds the respective licenses in my territory? Yeah, we respect you pushing back on that for today's discussion because it's, it's not really in scope. But yes, yes. Um, what, what about the carbon credit um, benefits of, of that asset in, in the, your Vienna example? Is the, the, the solar farm basically has that benefit now with the energy um, industry and it's not really exposed or, or given to, uh, to token holders right now? Um, personally, I don't know that because I am not involved in the operational management okay. of that project. Uh, yep. We can for sure have it answered uh, in, in written or in one of the next panels by, by, by our project managers. Um, but uh, certainly, and you said it earlier, you know, the, the renewable electricity uh, or energy certificates, the RECs and the IRECs, um, that's also, of course, something that we are aiming to support and, and feed with our platform because we have the data. Uh, we can provide the notarization of origin. Uh, so certainly that's something that needs to grow together. Yeah. Okay. The, um, the, just to compare what we're doing, the, um, if you look at by, by having this data that is hyper-local for, for each solar farm, there, there's actually a spot market for that energy. There's a, a kind of derivatives market as well for that energy as well. So um, most physical markets have uh, an energy uh, spot price. There's kind of a balancing market as well to provide stability for the grid. And then there's a futures and derivatives market that is co-located at, at each function, functional site. And so we, we see that um, by having this rich data set, that yes, we can service the spot market and, and certainly the owner-operator of the solar park needs to have that data to maintain and do predictive maintenance on the park. But we also see that there's a, a second audience that want this Oracle data that, that would provide um, contracts for difference on solar futures or, or what is called the day ahead uh, market you know, for, for energy. Uh, and uh, have you considered those kind of actors within your, your ecosystem? Yeah, sure. But as I explained earlier, um, it's we have a um, let's say five years roadmap uh, at yep. least, um, and uh, the thing that or the aspect that we commercialized this year, there was a focus on turning uh, consume consumers into prosumers. Yeah. So it was more, uh, if you want, a, a gamification uh, launch and a participatory participatory launch to, to turn uh, customers also into co-shareholders or beneficiaries. Yeah, yeah. The, but of course, so, of course, so yeah. the whole trading uh, component uh, is, is of course, I shouldn't say the end game, uh, but it's obvious that it's going to come and it depends a lot on the local regulation. Uh, but with our tech ecosystem, of course, we're well equipped because we, we have both the banking grade 
uh, backends and the energy uh, backends plus the hardware oracle. So nothing is stopping us. But certainly, look, you look know, forward to finding out more about how yeah, that can be but certain, but certainly, you you did a more holistic uh, 360 degree uh, evaluation of of the possibilities in in Australia. So uh, I think here you're one step. Yeah, ahead Australia has ahead. some problems in the market, and we also wanted to expose some of those things. That there's actors in the industry that basically uh, thwart um, some of these renewable. Uh, activities and so what we're trying to turn on is this kind of green signal to the community so that people know when there's green energy within the local community uh, to to consume it and to provide that that almost extra metadata that fault that flows with our with our data sets to say hey there's green energy you can change your behavior you can you can do your laundry or you can charge your your tesla and uh, there's Energy right now is traded on price and load and scheduling of these things, and they don't really put a bias on green um, at all. And so we, we, we want to create this kind of hyper-local market paradigm where, where greenness, you know, the, 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 the emissions factor of, of that energy Absolutely. becomes part of the priority in, in its consumption model. And we yeah. want to reward those and incentivize those. that. That's the gamification that we want to bring, right? Absolutely, and that's what we are trying to do uh, with the different industry clients we have in the automotive industry, in the packaging industry, in the chemicals industry, um, because they have to or will have to prove with the upcoming uh, regimes. Uh, also the carbon uh, consumption of their products over lifetime uh, so which is in itself uh, an incredible uh, task uh, and uh, i think not not all the industries are sure yet how to do this but you have to start at the beginning and the beginning is clearly um, the energy um, that was used to produce things and i absolutely agree if this energy is labeled green um, uh, or if the uh, yeah if the gas is labeled blue or whatever uh, it will for sure make a difference and all of this will have to be uh, let's say recorded and audited uh, with the digital twins or nfts as we should say in in modern speech uh, of those industrial goods and uh, so we really want to um, set that you know value chain in 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 motion and provide the tools to to accelerate um, the adoption or the the, the new green deal uh, for the different industries so can, can you elaborate? So it, it, perhaps it was a, a drop of your of, of a tongue, but uh, on NFTs and digital twins, because in in my in the analysis that we've done in the Netherlands with two tokens in the energy sector, we haven't f- run into applications of, of NFTs. So I'm very curious to find out where you see that application. Let's put it that way. Uh, of course, uh, I, I have not seen the final uh, verdict on on terminology and and how we use it. But of course, digital twin is an old concept, and uh, you know, in in previous years, we've also referred to digital twins if we were talking about uh, digitally representing uh, a physical object on a blockchain. Um, but if we if we think of an NFT um, as a, a combination of a digital representation and a set of smart contracts, that is. Uh, proving uniqueness also in on the digital layer, then of course, you know, it could be a decision by, I don't know, an automaker um, that they want to represent their um, their car parts uh, as NFTs uh, instead of just as digital twins, uh, okay. because for recalls and other processes where you need absolute exactly that specific part. Uh, or component, if we talk about uh, markets in general, then the concept of an NFT 
um, is providing a, a bit so more. It's NFT uh, in the broadest say. sense, not not a JPEG, right? So NFT is just an enriched, if you want, digital twin that is deep, more deeply rooted in in blockchain technology. Okay, so cool. So we're coming to the end of the uh, of the of the podcast now. And any final remarks, Leon? Yeah, for, I, I wanted to dive it. into the kind of uh, crypto primitives that both Reload and Code has had had the history. You know, Tom, Tom, and I have had conversations about this, but uh, I guess what what we see that uh, the industry needs is is to be able to discover what whatever their blockchain approach might be that um, these particular uh, crypto anchors can can facilitate. Uh, the crypto primitives required for any blockchain approach, and and that that is the welcome discussions we've had with Real and Code. So under under the hood of their of their particular security elements and and compare and contrast to ours, they I think it's important to note that we can spin up any blockchain from from the key material, and this requires this kind of wallet experience that Real and Code has had, and I, I've had the same experiences with uh, with prior uh, smart card uh, activities, so that we can. We can spin up the the uh, the crypto primitives so that if if an Ethereum blockchain was going to be used for for their particular uh, datagrams and aggregation, then that was fine. Or if it wanted to be some kind of hash graph or other graph or hyper hyperledger, then those crypto primitives are supported, you know, right to the edge and in the gateway. So you have that continuity without creating some weird bridge effect. We're, we're dealing with the advantage of those crypto primitives being baked in that whole network effect of, of this um, tokenization. And, and, and very much like Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is the most secure asset because we now have 11 years uh, of you know mining uh, all this energy put into the hardening of, of that data set. And in the same way, we're really trying to do the same thing on solar parks, that that, that crypto hardening Will will happen no matter what blockchain you choose, right? So that 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 uh, not just the edge sensor, but also that whole network effect of having all of those heartbeats of truth being aggregated in whatever blockchain, and uh, that that's really the complement of, of thinking where I think we're totally aligned with with Lin code and and why it's necessary to to support and be agnostic in a way, so because we don't all have a silver bullet uh, to to have this magic approach, so. Um, and, and and your solution can uh, um, only be used at generation, like solar panels. Um, no, our solution will be will be able to um, be put into uh, uh, wind wind generation, into biogas, or or other downstream activities. So we we see that uh, the sensor will also be put into even uh, RTUs, remote terminal units, going into substations, into EV charging poles. So. I don't think we're going to be creating a wallet for cars. I think Riddle and Code has done that, but uh, uh, up to and including the kind of EV plug point—that—that's the kind of breadth of where we're going. Um, and then ultimately, the chip is going to be part of the uh, substrate of the solar panel. So we 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 don't just want to be in the junction box. If if we want to be the best kind of price performance, we want to put the chip directly into the panel itself, and then. It's going to be very hard to hack that, but it is also the cheapest way to deliver our service, ultimately. Yeah, okay, any, any final remark from you, Sebastian? 
Yeah, I think Leon made a good point here. That's the roadmap. Um, so we've seen blockchain products in different industries. Financial industry was first, and we we see how they come together. So you know, the wallet uh, infrastructure has now merged with, let's say, the the hardware Oracle infrastructure. Uh, we are also going to merge energy and automotive um, at the charging station point and and elsewhere. Um, so yeah, it's about um, connecting the dots, um, making it possible for different um, industries to work together and to create uh, efficiencies and synergies and um, you know make the delta available both to society but also to end customers okay yeah so so in in your podcast we we touched this script the service of our of our crypto anchors with censoring uh, we we uh, um, uh, touched all the layers back and forth. Yeah, um, uh, there is a lot more to say around uh, the Unity chip, the crypto anchors, uh, the uh, the special mechanisms, how they um, the different modules work uh, by themselves. Yeah, and they have to work in association with gateways and the, those mm-hmm. trusted models that again that Riddle and Code have already experienced, right. and they've they've had those uh, financial authority approvals, which is something that we would strive for partnering to to get that that engagement mm-hmm. because it's not just the industry. Uh, regulators, but also the finance. This is going to turn into a bunch of financial instruments. Ultimately, we yeah. we can see that our stakeholders will will want to have that kind of uh, facility. Right. Yeah. So, and and that's also the approach of the Two Tokens Foundation. Right. Exactly. We need to bring multiple parties together to create a solution that is viable. Uh, so not only the technical bits, uh, but also the the system design, mm-hmm. but also regulatory, legal, tax. Yeah. Uh, customer engagement, uh, all those aspects, and those will be future podcasts uh, where exactly. we address uh, the different topics. So, if you have any questions and topics you want to uh, have uh, discussed, please um, leave that on the on the channel, and we will pick that up and uh, we will schedule in future podcasts. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure you can ask me anything, and Sebastian as well. And so we're, we're so, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and if you want to take a look at the project we did with Wien Energy, just go on YouTube and Google for My Power and Wien Energy, and you will find a, a project overview that is not too technical, but um, you know rounds up uh, the different aspects that we've touched on upon today. So thank you for having me digitally. Okay. Uh, yeah, thank you, Sebastian. Thank to, you, Leon. To meet again soon. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening, and until next time. That's it.